And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea, it was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Hey, if you'd take your seat and uh, grab your Bibles and turn to the last two chapters of your Bible, uh, Revelation chapters 21 and 22. Uh, in February and March, we began a four-week series on uh, looking back and we uh, took a look at created by God, a place by God, a broken by choice, and uh, yet even though broken, still known and pursued by God. And uh, then we are now in this three-week series of looking ahead. And so after looking back, we want to look ahead. And, and two Sundays ago, it was talking about the reality of, of ahead as a time to die and ahead in Revelation 19 and 20 is a time to stand. And then today, uh, a time to reign. Um, all of this is preparing us for after Easter, getting into uh, the practice and the pragmatics of, of diving into God's word and seeing what does it look like to grow and change. Now that we understand where we came from, where all of this is going, okay, let's now. Well, what does it look like to, to grow and change for God's glory with that. Um, last Sunday, we looked ahead. We were in Revelation 19 and 20, and it began with the then I heards. Uh, John, the apostle, is the human writer of this, and he's saying, then I heard, and, and then I heard, and then you get into the then I saws. It was Revelation 19, uh, uh, verse 11, then I saw, then uh, verse 17, then I saw, then Revelation 20, verse 1, then I saw, verse 11, then I saw, and then Revelation 21, 1, then I saw. And, and I see it as this, this consecutive, this connected movement of final divine activities that are yet to unfold in God's redemptive history plans. And, and we saw that by the end of Revelation chapter 20, that, that God has dealt with many of the key players in, in, in not only redemptive history, but, but even in the end times. And we saw that the beast was gone. We saw the false prophet is gone, that the corrupt kings of the earth, they, they are gone. And the ancient serpent, Satan, is gone. And then at the very end of Revelation 20, uh, the unredeemed are, are, are gone, and uh, man, it's, it's heavy stuff, and yet you ask the question of that, who remains? Who remains in the story yet to deal with? And the answer to that is those who are redeemed in Christ, those who know Christ as their Savior, who have driven the stake in the ground, received Christ as their Savior, and not only just in mind, but in, with their life. And those are yet to be dealt with, and that's who we are going to learn about what happens to them today in 21 and 22. And I just want to say, if you're redeemed in Christ, you know Christ is your Savior. It's good news, friend. It's just really good news. So as we enter, let me pray. Uh, God, I, I would just ask, would you speak? Would you work? God, would you show us? Would you point us? Would you draw us? 
Lord, would you sustain us and reveal to us? Oh, just as we just sang, you have silenced fear and our shame through the work of Christ, and you have conquered death in the grave, and you have broken the curse of sin. Thank you, Lord. And yes, you are worthy of our praise, and you are worthy of our attention, and you are fully worthy of our lives. So work in us now. Give us help and hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, today, a time to reign. Uh, Revelation 9, uh, 21 and 22. Uh, verse 22, verse 5, it says, uh, For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. If you think the eternal life with the Lord is sitting on a cloud playing a harp, you are way understanding, uh, not understanding what it is going to be. There's a reigning reality that goes on with it all, and we're going to learn about this. And it begins with the eternal with. Verses 1 through 8 in chapter 21 describe to us what this with is eternal reality is going to be like. Uh, let me read that, verses 1 through 8. John, what I started with earlier. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea it was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. It means it is among man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them, will be among them as their God and he, and he, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things, what? New. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithful, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and that which is the second death with which we saw at the end of chapter 20. News is a good thing. New things are really neat. I remember when we lived in Greenfield, and uh, we got a new van, and our daughter would uh, sit in that van with her uh, bear blanket. And uh, she was in elementary school and would study in the van because it was like her spot. It smelled nice. It was new. And new things are wonderful things. And, and there's a number of new things. I want to highlight them for us here. Uh, verse 1, a new heavenlies. There's a new heavenlies. Uh, then I saw a new heavenlies for the first heaven and the first earth that passed away. Uh, that word there is, is Uranus. 
Uh, it, it means the heavenlies. This isn't talking so much about heaven as it is the heavenlies. And I say that because back in chapter 20, verse 11, uh, when it says right before the great white throne judgment, it says from his presence, earth and sky. It's the same word. The Uranus fled away. Earth and sky, the, the heavenlies, the outer space fled away. And, and here we're told it's going to be all new. It's going to be new, a new heavenlies. And then verse one also, a new earth. Is it a renewed earth? Is it a totally new earth? I don't quite know. Uh, I, Ten years ago, I used to think it was like God took it and like ran it through a car wash, a holiness car wash. And, you know, and, and it's all new and, and it could be. And, or, or then I'm more leaning towards because of the way all this moves. It's more like, no, in Revelation 20, it's all gone. And then, and then it's all new. Uh, new's cool. And uh, uh, we have a new earth, whether it's uh, renewed or replaced. Uh, listen, but that's not the point of it. The point of it all is it's new. It's new. Oh, bring it on. Uh, listen, in this new, uh, as we move along here, that means we have to put our present understanding of all laws of nature aside. Because new means that even laws of nature can be new, like laws of physics and laws of chemistry, and I would even suggest laws of metallurgy and architecture and gravity and space and biology. By the way, may I remind us that even Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, boots on the ground in the, as the incarnate Christ. At that time, he walked on water, breaking the laws of physics. Oh, and he turned the water to wine, breaking the laws of chemistry. Oh, and by the way, he rose Lazarus from the dead, breaking the laws of biology. And he conquered the grave and death. Oh, new laws of spirituality. Listen, when God does things new, we can't get it out of our heads. We think new is now new. But I just want to say this is new, new. All right? I mean, it's going to be so crazy awesome, new, that you and I are so earthbound, we can't even grab a hold of how cool it's going to be. But we're going to try because God put this here for us to grab. It's going to be a new earth. By the way, I just want to note, and no sea. There is no, the sea was no more. What do seas do today? Seas separate. Oh, I'd love to have a conversation. Uh, I think, it's just I think, uh, I think that at the time of the flood, you had the continental shift took place. Why? because sin separates. And on this new earth, as we'll see here, uh, uh, in this, it, it's, it's no more seas. Are there gonna be rivers? Yup, will be lakes? Of course, there's gotta be lakes. But no more seas that separate. In it. A new city, verse two, a new Jerusalem cities. If you go Google or DuckDuckGo, uh, a, a city definition, it's a center of population. Think about that. Cities are a center of population. Cities are where people do life together, where people reside and do community in cities. You might think about it. Maybe if you're an introvert, you're like, ah, you're freaking out right now. Listen, it'll be good. This is going to be a new city. And that even, I love the terminology of it because it carries, this is going to be a new dwelling place where there's going to be community together. And that community together is going to be done amongst a population where there is no sin and it is awesome. 
and communing together and being together is a glorious thing. No sin in this city. It's holy. It's, it's a set-apart city. It, it comes from God. I like the way the New International Version terms it there. Prepared like a bride beautifully adorned for her husband. One more time here. We have this bride analogy with it. And I'm not going to go into it any further than that. But it's like God's like, there you go. There you go. New. Beautiful. Awesome. For us to reside together forever. By the way, Jerusalem was where God's presence was viewed to reside. But, but hear me on this. God templed there. That's why there was a temple there. But, but there's a key word in the conversation about that. God was represented through the temple in his presence. But there will be no temple because God does not need to be represented there because God is there. Represented, gone. God with? Yes. We can't even understand that. God reigning with, by the way, that just brings me back to Genesis chapter three. And God was walking in the cool of the day in the garden of Eden. God with, we have a new heavenlies in the text, a new earth in the text, a new city in the text. And all this circles around this verse three, this whole new with. Our radiant God will dwell there and he will dwell with his redeemed people. And life with God there will be unlike Life with God here. Why, why, why do you say that, Doug? Why is that? Because, well, one, it says he will wipe away every tear. I mean, there's a closeness, there's a proximity there. There's like a, a, not a figurative. There's like, no, let me take my finger and wipe the tears off of your face. By the way, nowadays, uh, God's word and God's truth uh, uh, are that, if I can say it this way, are that finger of God that wipe away the hurt and the pain. It doesn't mean no more crying, but it does mean we have God's truth and we pour God's truth on our hurt, God's truth into our lives, God's truth into the situation to bring hope of it all. But there will be one day where we won't have, if you will, God's written truth so much as the source of that. No, it will be God himself. Oh, and what's different about the their place versus this, this place now? We have death today. And we have mourning today. And we have crying today. And we have pain today. I got 15 yards of mulch delivered. My wrist is killing me trying to shovel and move. Oh, it will be None of that anymore. It will be no pain, no crying, no death. In fact, the text calls this, uh, those are the former things. By the way, the former things are the now things for you and me. The, the former things are, are the now things. We live in the former things, reality of this text. You might call it stranger things. We live there. But knowing what the future is helps us in our living in the former things now. More on that later. But I just want to say there will be a day where there'll be no more death, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. Our now heavenlies and our now earth and our now cities and our now with will be replaced with a new heavens and a new earth and a new holy city and a new with. And it doesn't make our now with 
easy, but let me say it this way, a statement on the screen. Seeing the end with is fuel for living in our now with. Seeing this end with, it is fuel for living in our now with. Because sometimes, man, just, you know what I'm talking about? But friend, one day, this now with, it is going to be in an altogether new with. How, how long do we live? Um, I don't know, my dad died at 61. My oldest brother died at 62. I'm 60. Hey, I, we don't have a great track record with Helmer boys. Mine could be shorter than yours. 70, 80, 90, 100. Let's just say it's 100 years. 100 years of now in this former things. When put into the reality of the future new things for eternity makes this a dot on the line. And it's a hard dot, but the lines that's coming helps to fuel us to continue in our now. Secondly, it then moves from the eternal with to the eternal with place. It's like it's so cool because God is describing what it's going to be like with the Lord. And now we come to this text where it's telling us about what the place is going to be like. I'm going to read verses 9 through 25. Before I do that, I just want to suggest to you that it's time to put on your engineering and visioneering glasses. If you're not a very creative person, now it's time to amp that creativity up. If you are a creative person, oh, here we go. Listen, engineers, visionaries, man, this is the kind of stuff I love. The creativity of thinking beyond. Why has God given us literally engineering and visioneering information? Answer, so that we would engineer and visioneer it. So that we would see it. So that we would understand. Let me say, God gives us a description of the future real estate. Why? Because if you know Christ, you're going to live there. And you may go, my house now ain't much. I'm telling you, bling, bling, bling. All right. Let me read it. Verses nine through chapter 22, verse five. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city. Remember, he's on a high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and its radiance was like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates were, and the gates 12 angels and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed and on the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. On the west, three gates. Some of you are already cat engineering it, which I love. Verse 14, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. That's interesting. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15, 
And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. <laughs> who has like a yardstick of gold? I mean, this is no Lowe's Menards yardstick. I mean, even the yardstick is gold. Like, hey, if you have a yardstick that's gold, good for you. Uh, here's one. And here we go, verse 16. The city, it lies four square square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, uh, 12,000 stadia, its, its length and width and height are equal, 14,000 miles by 14,000 miles by 14,000 miles. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. That, that comment right there fascinates me. Human measurement is the same as an angel's measurement. Oh, that'd be a fun lunch conversation. Verse 18, the wall, it was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and I made it through all of them. That's not in the text. Verse 21, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. Now those are some crazy pearls that came out of some crazy big clams. And the street of the city was what? Pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for his temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We saw that at the end of chapter 20. Chapter 22, verse 1, Then the angel, he showed me the river, the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations and no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his servants, his doulos will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Yep, get an attack, friends. And night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign. How long? Whoa. Not sit, not float on a cloud, not be bored. They will reign forever and ever. By the way, the whole tat on the forehead, isn't it interesting that it's on the forehead? I don't know why that is. Maybe it's so that I can see it on everybody else, but I can't even see it on me until I go into a reflection. But just seeing God's hand on everyone and the beauty of it all. The city's measured 14,000 miles by 14,000 miles, and then interesting, 14,000 miles vertically. Is it a cube? Is it a pyramid? 
I don't know, it's a conversation another time. How do you fit all of God's people in a 1,400 square piece of property? 1,400 mile square piece of property. People ask that question, go see, that's, that's why there can't, this can't be true. Hold on a second. You are thinking way too uncreatively in this. Who says there's one layer? Maybe there's like elevators. Like, take it, work with me. Okay, some engineering fun. Let's just say this is going on. It's 14,000 miles tall. Um, so in that, let's say there's a layer every 30,000 feet. That's about the height of an airliner flying at, at full cruise. Uh, that means that out of that, uh, you do the calculations, 242 layers. 242 escalators floating. I don't know. Maybe it's arranged so that there's the main base floor, and then all of this is amphitheater seating. I don't know how it goes on, but why the verticality of it? There's so many things that could be, uh, could I say, wonderful sanctified imagination thinking about it because it's going to blow our minds is the point of it all. I mean, you take all those uh, layers, those 242, uh, 242 layers, uh, 475 million square miles per layer, um, uh, total, I'm sorry, total in it all. Uh, Earth land surface right now is 197 million square miles of land. It's two and a half times that. I don't know how God's going to do it, but it's all going to be good and we're all going to be comfortable. Right? And it's going to be awesome place. Oh, and it has a wall. All the conversation about walls over the last few years. Here's a wall. It's 144 cubits. By the way, is that height? Is that thickness? Is it both? I, I don't know. But usually when you talk about a wall, you talk about its height. So in the height on this wall, it, it, let's just say you take a 12, store, 12 feet per story of a building. 144 cubits is 216 feet. Uh, in all of that, it works out to be 18 stories tall. Okay, you say 18 stories. I'm not all that impressed because like what the Salesforce building downtown is 48 stories tall. This is only 18 stories tall. Hey friend, that is an office complex building, people living inside. This is a wall. Who has an 18 story tall wall in the world? The, China, the, the wall of China, its average height is 25 feet. This is eight times that height. You can see the wall of China from the space station. Oh, how far away can you be to see this wall? And it's made of jasper. It talks about how it's clear-like and it has this whole conversation about it. Uh, here's a piece of uh, a red jasper. Uh, I'm not saying this is the color it's gonna be. I don't know what it's gonna be, but I'm just telling you, you sit and you look at it and you see the grains and the flow and the movement of it and, and in it and you go, that's really cool. That's really cool to kind of hold in your hand and slide around, it's all slippery and all this. But this is gonna be a wall, 18 stories tall. Boom. Who's got a wall like that? God does. Oh, and God's people will in all of this. It's just beautiful it is the whole idea of it all. Oh, and the city, it was pure gold like clear glass. There's various conversations about that. Well, you know what, it's purest form, gold can be clear. And others go, no, 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 it can't be on it. I don't know what it's gonna be, but it's gonna be awesome. It's going to be like blinged with gold. By the way, uh, in it, um, uh, Karen and I were watching a show about kind of crazy cool houses. And, and it was on Netflix or something. And, and they showed one that was in the desert. This like, it looked like this big rectangular box. 
and it was all with mirrored on the outside of it. And it was fascinating because they could show you a picture. And it was huge house. And in this whole thing, they showed a picture and they like scanned and you couldn't see the house because the mirrors were reflecting the surround. I don't know, maybe it's like that. Maybe it's pure gold and so shiny that what's going on is everything is just reflecting like it's invisible even though it's all, I don't know how it's going to work out. God's got that. And it's going to be beyond what we can imagine or think. And by the way, I think this is the coolest part. There's no temple in this city. No temple. Temples represent, but there's no need to represent God because God is there. No temple needed because the temple is in the house. God is in this house, which reminds me again, Genesis 3, and the Lord walked in the cool of the day. And they will reign for how long? That's, if last time I, I did some calculations, that, that, that's a long time. And there's no sun, no moon, because the radiant glory of God has lit the place up. Sun, get out of here. Moon, get out of here. I don't need you anymore. <laughs> Friends, I'm just even going to suggest we don't even understand holiness and the radiant reality of holiness. Just lighting it up. This is the place. I just walk away from this and I go, I, I, I think I could spend eternity there. How about you? Uh, and for sure, by the way, this sure looks like a lot cooler place than the Lake of Fire. Do you know that you know that you know that you're going to be there? Because if you remember what I said earlier, is, is I think what chapters in the end of Revelation is God is, is succinctly and God is strategically dealing with the players of redemptive history. And it comes down and right before this, those that are unredeemed and don't have Christ as their savior, um, bad news. But the hope of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Good news. Good Good, good news. And seeing the end place is fuel for living in our now place. Seeing the end place is fuel for living in our now place. This is not heaven, yet we struggle to want it to be that. But it isn't that. Heaven is coming and in all of this, it just helps us to understand where we live now as a church, having gone and done a look back on how all this got started, how it got broken, and yet God is still at work taking a look into the future and what's taking place ahead in all of redemptive history of it. It helps us to understand where we live now and what is going on now, and all of that fuels for living on now because, friend, for whatever our length of time of life here is, is if you know in Christ, it's going to be good. And so there's hope in enduring the pain and the crying and the death and the tears and the struggles now. And then it moves to the eternal with response. Chapter 22, verses 6 through 21. Before I read it, observation. 
observation I've had over the years is that when people talk about or relate to the book of Revelation or come out of reading the book of Revelation, kind of the common conversation is something to the realm of, whoa, that was freaky. Somewhere in that realm. Kind of like, man, I... That was wild, it was mysterious, it was kind of alternate universe, kind of stranger things kind of thing going on. What do I do with the book of Revelation? Uh, Pause, 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 pause. That should not be the response coming out of the book of Revelation. Why do I say that? Because when John was writing this, he wanted the reader to walk away with increased understanding, not increased confusion, not increased debate potential. He wanted them to walk away from this with an understanding. And by the way, even more important than John, the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ, who is the source and the subject of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter one, verse one. He is the source and the subject of the book. He is the one who wanted for his church, for his people to walk away from having read this text, this letter, this book with increased understanding of who God is and how that matters in my now. Can you prove that, Doug? I think I'll just say it this way. Ephesus, the Lord said, you have abandoned your first love. Ephesus, you need to hear chapters 4 to 22 to help you come back to your first love. Smyrna, Do not fear that you are about to suffer and be persecuted. You need to hear chapter 4 through 22 to help you grasp and endure in the persecution. Pergamum, you are embracing bad theology. You need to hear chapter 4 to 22 of this book to bring you back to right theology. Thyatira, you're tolerating sinful practices. You need to hear chapter 4 through 22 to address it. Stop it. Sardis, you are spiritually dead and you need to wake up. You need to hear chapter 4 through 22 and wake up. Philadelphia, I know your works hold fast. And you need to hear chapter 4 through 22 to help you to hold fast. And then lastly, Laodicea. Laodicea, you are neither hot or cold. I, I, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. Laodicea, you need to hear chapters 4 to 22 to understand I'm serious about this stuff. All of this is to be brought back. So I'll say it this way, hearing the end of call is fuel for living in a, out a now response. Hearing the end call is fuel for living out a now response. Let me show you, let me read through the text and you'll, you'll just hear them. Verse six, and he said to me, these words, they are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And the Lord Jesus says, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down, if I could say, in response 
to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them. But, but he said to me, no, 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 you must not do that, John. I am a fellow servant. I am a fellow doulos with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God, John. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. And the Lord Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he was done, has done. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. Do you see that? That's a very important statement. For I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. This is supposed to be applicational to them in all of their seven scenarios that are going on. This is to be applied to their lives. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Woo, he's serious about what he has written down. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Just a few comments. Notice the responses. Out of all of this future talk, there are now responses that are to take place. A now response to keep in verses seven through nine. An expectation to keep what has been said. Hold on to it. Absorb it. The words of this book, you should not walk away freaked out in weirdo land. You should walk out of this like, whoa, I'm absorbing this. I'm taking this. I'm seeing who my God is, what he is going to do. I don't understand it all, but I'm telling you that's okay because it's in his hands. And it's not to get lost in the words. It's not to be all in a debate ad nauseum about these words. It's not to go all weird with these words. It's to keep them. The book of Revelation was written, intended to keep and to change how we do life now. A new response to keep. It also talks about a new response to worship at the end of verse 9, where the angel said, no, no, don't worship me. Can I say this? Don't worship timelines. Don't worship even the future bling place. Don't worship the the fact of there's going to be no problems. Worship God. That's it. Worship the one who is the temple. Uh, Verse 10, uh, the now response, there should be a, a response with holiness. The righteous are to do right. They're to live set apart, set apart 
They're to live as a people set apart. Question, are you seeking to live as a people set apart from the world or are you living to try and fit in and be really cool in our world? Listen, humanity has always had this thing to be really like viewed as cool. I am really concerned about what's going on today in light of the whole digital thing. Everybody just sees everybody and everybody wants to look just as cool as the coolest people that are online. And I just want to tell you, come on. The text isn't saying be a dork. That's Greek. The, the, the text isn't saying to be even deeper a doofus in this. It's not to live your life like someone disconnected from life. It's not to live as some prepper in fear, scared away from everything going on, living away from people, staying away from people because people will hurt you. Yes, they will hurt you. Oh my, will they hurt you. But instead, this is a call to this is what's coming and we are to be set apart. Our world needs the light of the gospel. And we have been given the call to carry it. And that's why even in our years ahead, we're like, we want to grow in increasingly becoming a light of the hope of the gospel to the west side of Indianapolis in ways we don't even know yet. But we desire that because that's what God wants. Verse 14, there's a now response to wash. Just, just quickly, it's interesting. To wash your robes. There's this, to, 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 to make yourself clean. Uh, this whole idea of robes, uh, Revelation 1.13. John sees Jesus Christ raised from the dead and he's in a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. You see in Revelation 19.13, when Jesus is riding on the white horse, giddy up, coming back, and he's got a robe that's stained in blood from the payment on the cross next Sunday. And then here it says, wash your robes. There's to be a redemption. There is to be a changing. There is to be a cleansing. There is to be a God, I am a sinner. I am broken. I'm in need of you. I fall before you. I receive you as my savior. Wash me. Have you done that? And there's also this verse 17 and now response to approach. Let the one who hears say, come. I'll say it this way. Let the one who hears say, approach. Let the one who is thirsty approach. That, that is a distinct difference even from the temple structure and the tabernacle structure. There was, you can't go past that wall. Now it's approach. It's all that turned upside down because of the work of Christ and because of the eternal state. It's approach. It's not sit. It's not get confused. It's not stay away. It's not debate. It's approach. And so when you read it, if I can physically show it this way, revelation should not cause us to go, oh, freaky, 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 freaky. Revelation should actually draw us in. Lord, what? I got to just sit in that. I got to just hang in all of that. And just lastly, I'm over time, but just lastly, a response to take. Uh, end of verse 17, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Revelation 22, one, the river of life that flows from the throne of God. Hey, if, if, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're gonna be in the eternal place with the Lord as someone redeemed through the work of Christ, you need that. I would challenge you and call you to that and we would love to talk with you about that. However, I am going to make an important notice here. The book of Revelation, the central audience of the book of Revelation is God's people. The central audience of the book of Revelation is for God's people, for his churches to hear. And so I want to finish with that emphasis. 
church, God's people, this isn't just for those who are without Christ. This is centrally for you, for us as a people to draw us, to, to convince us, to, to settle us, to, to help us see. And we're to be the kind of people who are moving in. And might I just uh, say, your two areas of growth that I've asked you to, to name and to have ready and to be thinking about and watching in yourself at the present time. How, how does all of this affect that? I wanted to challenge you this week. How does all of this affect your area of growth? Mine, my one is growing in gratefulness. I just want to tell you that I so get stuck in the heavies of the now life. I just so do. I get stuck in the brokenness of me and the brokenness of others. I get stuck in the brokenness of our world. I get stuck in the weights of pastoring, in the weights of preaching. I get stuck in the weights of just this church. I get stuck in the weights of being a husband, of being a father, being a grandfather. And yet there's a day where it will be with. In the most amazing with place you and I could ever imagine. And I have to tell you, that truth is helping me to grow in gratefulness. Because while that's not yet, right now, I and we get to live with the Lord. And there's hope. And all the brokenness, there's hope. Ah. Oh. So Lord, um, we, we are before your feet and, and, and we lean into you and, and we ask for you to move and to work among us. So many things I could say out of these texts and trying to boil it down in this short period of time. And I pause and I bring all of our attention back to you. You've got this. And that includes our now. There's not a moment, not a second, not a nanosecond that goes by that you are not actively at work. And in our confusion and in our pain and in our tears, we know that you are with. And there will be a day where that will come to its ultimate fruition. And so we live backwards. We, we bring that back into our now. God, for the person who hasn't settled their redemptive reality with you, I pray that that would be the case. God, I pray for those who are redeemed in you that there would be a life-changing, life-thinking, course alteration in how we view living life now. That we would view life now in light of eternity. And only you can do that work in us as we partner with you. So I pray for that. In Christ's name, amen.